Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch, fastball, pull the Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Keith, and Chris. Tuesday, July 9th. Welcome to the show. Fair warning to you. Got a pretty lousy round of Team Name Tuesday coming up. Get excited. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah, it's always fun with Chris because Chris, play, like, Chris plays into it. Chris is the best person to have I on for Team Name Tuesday. I genuinely love Team Name Tuesday. <laughs> Good. It is I can one tell. of my favorite things, especially when they're bad. Yeah, I can tell. I know you like that. So this is the show for you. Uh, how much uh, How much Home Run Derby did you watch yesterday? Oh, I watched the whole thing. It was great. Was it? I will probably not watch any of the All-Star game tonight. What? But Why? the Home Run Derby I'm here for. What? What a strange take. Why? The All-Star game is a lot better than the Home Run Derby. A lot better. I uh, maybe I'm a bad sportsman, but I find pretty much every All Star game to be pointless. I'm not a. I like the base the baseball All Star game. That's the only one I I like. Uh, but the home run derby. I don't know. I watched like four Ronald Acuna swings, and that was uh, that was it. That was all I needed. But apparently, no, it, it was, was very fun. Exceptional. Good. Yeah, it was great last night. Good. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, you, he, you know, some people thought he didn't deserve to be there, and he made the most of it. So he put on a bit of a show, but Pete Alonso gets the win. Uh, I owe Jake Marisnik possible apology. Uh, I owe him an apology. Because, I, you know, when I first saw the play where he barreled into Jonathan Lucroy, I really thought it was kind of a dirty play, and I kind of called him out for it yesterday. But I was emailing with a listener yesterday, Joel, who said, look at it again. This is what I think happened. And I looked at it again, and I think uh, I think Joel may have been right. I think I may have been wrong. I don't know that Mariznick intentionally went out of his way to destroy Jonathan Luke. I don't. So I'm gonna I I'm gonna apologize. I still think he p- should probably be suspended. I don't think it was like an intentional. He wasn't like trying to hit him, but I still think a suspension would be Why? warranted. Why? I think you have to. Uh, I, I think there is an obligation among professional athletes, not just baseball players, but professional athletes. To um, to exercise an abundance of caution in making sure that they do not injure their competitors, and I think in this instance, while I don't think Jake Marisnik was trying to hurt him, I don't think he reached the threshold of doing his duty to avoid that contact. Either. Well, but see, I think he did try to avoid it. I think he you don't or you don't often see a player go sort of inside to avoid a tag. Like, if he's coming down the third base line, he moved toward first base to avoid mm-hmm. Jonathan Lucroy. And it was a split second after Marisnik moved that Lucroy also moved in that direction, and the collision was unavoidable. You don't often see a player go around a tag by going inside. He usually goes outside, like closer to the third base dugout. But this was unusual. But that's what it looked like to me on second glance. Uh, so I think what you said makes no sense, Chris. You're like, no, he didn't do it on purpose, but suspend him anyway. That's well, pretty bad. I don't, That's I'm, bad. I don't, I don't think we have to make sports into a morality play all the time. Sometimes it's just he did the just wrong thing him. unintentionally. What? The, don't. But it was unintentional. Don't suspend That's him for fine. that. Oh my goodness. That's what fine. Guys get take. penalized all the time for things they don't intend to do. He was he was called out. Right? That was the penalty. I don't have to suspend well, yeah, him. yeah, because he was out. Well, no, he, he was out because of the 
Was he out because he was out, or was he out because of the play? He was out. Lucre held on to the ball? I have no idea. Yeah, you don't know. News and notes. Jose Alvarado expected to miss six to eight weeks with an oblique injury. Would you pick up Emilio Pagan or Diego Castillo or both? Uh, I don't think there's going to be one person who gets all the saves in Tampa Bay, but I would definitely want to pick up Emilio Pagan over Diego Castillo just because he's been better this season. He has been better now. Uh, Diego Castillo has a somewhat bloated ERA, 393. It was 205 four appearances ago. And then he gave up eight earned runs in four appearances, and then Castillo went on the IL, and he should be back right after the break. Meanwhile, Pagan is having a great year. It's 175 ERA, nine walks, 47 strikeouts, and 36 innings. So they're both right around 25% owned. And I think Pagan, let's just type his name into this league right here. Oh, he's owned. Stupid 16-team league. So, yeah, pick up Pagan. I, of course, picked up Castillo and not Pagan, so good for me in one league. Uh, there really are no other notes. Guys are going to get traded, Chris. Now Zach Wheeler's name is on the market. What? Yeah, yeah, it's going to happen. It's July. But uh, one we saw today or yesterday, uh, Ken Giles, perhaps in a package deal with Marcus Stroman. So I, I think actually Daniel Hudson would be the closer in Toronto. It's my guess. I think he was the closer like one time when Giles wasn't available. And he's the only yeah, Giles reliever. was on the IL. For oh, a, that's right. For a very short period. So, um, But I, I think it was Hudson who got the saves. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd say Hudson is the... That bullpen's terrible. Hudson's the only one with respectable numbers. Uh, I don't know if Felipe Vasquez is going to get traded because, man, the NL Central is wide open right now. Uh, the weirdest one is that the Indians are, quote, aggressively listening to offers for Trevor Bauer, right. which, honestly, just can we contract them if they do that? They're five and a half games out of first place. <laughs> They're in the wild card spot. If they trade Trevor Bauer midseason... While they're in a wild card chase, just move them. They don't need to exist. If that's what the Dolans are going to do, just get rid of the team. When is his Honestly. contract up? Is he a free agent after this? Probably. Well, he's, no, he's but in, still, he's in like, arbitration. You're trying to win. You're trying to win games. This this is not a rebuild. He's in arbitration. They're in the middle of a playoff hunt. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. They've been. It's it's like they just gave up. Even going into the season, it just didn't it seem like they wanted to be sellers. Yeah, no, it was weird. It's it's offensive to the very nature of the game, what the Cleveland Indians have done. Yeah. And, and maybe if Bauer goes somewhere, they won't throw him 117 pitches every single I, time out. I will say the Yankees are the kind of reported front runner, and <clears throat> I'm not sure you could possibly think of a worse fit for Trevor Bauer. Why? Like a he doesn't, a, he doesn't have a guy with sh- a guy with shaky control who gives up a lot of fly balls, Man. talks a ton, and generally gets into it with fans. Going to the New York Yankees, great fit, the best fans in baseball. Oh come on! All right, <laughs> today's sponsor is SeatGeek. Use the promo code FANTASY for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Again, the promo code is SeatGeek. And, I, you know, I would ask, or the promo code is FANTASY on SeatGeek. I would ask you, hey, should we look to sell high on Trevor Bauer? But 
who knows where he's going to get traded? Who knows if he's going to get traded? He's been on the block since spring training. So I I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I would, think I would like sell. sell high sort of makes sense just because he is outperforming his peripherals quite a bit. But, you know, there's also the chance that he just figures it out and pitches closer to what he did last season. So I mean, I, I definitely don't think he's an obvious must uh, sell high. Right. And I think it's possible. Right. Like, let's say he does get traded. I would assume any team that acquires him will not treat him the same way the Indians do, I think they'd probably give him a shorter leash, especially if it's the Yankees since they have that bullpen. And that actually would be a bad thing for Trevor Bauer. I mean, I know like long-term, limiting his pitch count would be a good thing, but short-term, limiting his pitch count, like his pitch count is pretty much the only thing that's that's saving him this season. The fact that he is allowed to go into so deep into games, rack up more strikeouts, rack up more innings, which obviously count in points leagues. Like, I don't <laughs> like it because it's. It, I think it's a little reckless, but it is good for his fantasy value. And if that changes and he still pitches like this, doesn't get better, then that would, like, six innings of Trevor Bauer wouldn't yeah. really be that good. If, uh, if it's any consolation, and I don't know if it is, but Trevor Bauer is very confident that he he can hold up to this workload he's actually uh lobbied the indians in the past to let him pitch every fourth day and <laughs> it seems like that's part of his pitch moving forward when he goes into arbitration and goes into free agency is he wants to try to pitch every fourth day for whichever team he's with so uh, i'm skeptical yeah but he believes he can do it, so I, I, he's certainly not going to be the guy who get, begs to get pulled out of a game. All right, Chris, let's uh, let's take a look at the rest of today's show. We got first half all stars for you. Chris has an all star team. It's published on CBSSports.com/fantasy. I don't have the same privileges, so my all star team is not published anywhere. But I came you up with. You can send yours. You can send something anytime, Adam. Anytime no, you want to okay. get something it's up. Okay. No, I, I know the people who publish things. You don't want me to publish it, so I won't do it, Chris. I I, I won't put that onus on you to to be you know to have to publish my my stuff. So we got all stars at each position and uh, some emails, some grade the trade fantasy baseball at CBSI.com. Let's do a quick round of emails. Okay. Just two here. Let's do it. This one's from a guy named Chris. Uh, I was hoping you all could do an in-depth look at Vlad Jr. He was the most overhyped rookie by so many different baseball sites and sports writers in quite some time. It would be interesting to use him as a study in both the risk and frequent inaccuracy or hype as well as a look at why he is so underwhelming. As he was highly touted that here as well, an explanation and examination of Vlad's struggles would be greatly appreciated. Also, to what extent does his excessive weight affect his short and long-term prospects? I worry he can easily be another Pablo Sandoval or Prince Fielder. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Man, Sandoval and Fielder were pretty good. Yeah, and I don't know how much their weight... I mean, maybe... Sandoval, there were reports of it, but Prince Fielder was really good, and then he had a neck injury. And I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I don't know how excessive weight would impact your neck specifically, but I feel like that wasn't exactly the reason. You would prefer Vladimir Guerrero to lose a little bit of weight, I suppose. But you know, there was there was a lot of talk in the preseason of you know. When he got to spring training, people were like, wow, he looks really big. And it's, well, he's always been big. You know, this is not, he's not a small dude. And, you know, even his dad had a similar body. He wasn't quite this big, but he was also six foot four. And Vlad Jr. is a little shorter than that. So 
that's not my concern. And I actually really don't have any concerns for him. I didn't end up drafting Vlad Jr. in any leagues this year just because we were drafting him as if he was going to be, you know, a Justin Turner level bat coming into the season. And that's what he needed to be to justify that fourth, fifth round draft price that he was carrying with him. And it's really hard to do that. Playing professional baseball is incredibly difficult. He is probably the best hitting prospect. Just strictly speaking as a hitting prospect, Joe Maurer was probably a similar hitting prospect, uh, but you're going back a little ways for that. It's playing professional baseball is hard. That's yeah, why he's I, I mean, I guess that's so. Pretty much it. But at the same time, like that's not really an in-depth breakdown. So we'll go a little bit. Like, he is a major ground ball hitter. And uh, major. He's he's a ground ball hitter. I don't know why he's not hitting for power. Because his hitting profile is actually very similar to Juan Soto's. You know, and we were a little worried about Soto's home run to fly ball rate. He hits a lot of ground balls. Well, he's mm-hmm. he's a great player, and he's going to hit home runs. I can't really understand why Vlad is not homering. He has eight home runs in 61 games, 13 doubles. He is walking a lot. Like He's got a very good walk rate for a rookie. Not hitting the ball all that hard, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's kind of similar to Juan Soto's. Uh, so so I, I, think- I don't know why the ball's not leaving the park more for him. Part of it is the ground ball rate. Part of it, I think, is just inconsistency. He has, I believe, I think he has more batted balls hit 115 miles per hour or more than anyone in baseball so far this season. But he only has an average exit velocity of 89 miles per hour, which is right around average. So I think what you're seeing there is a a, a struggle with consistency. He'll make really good contact on one at bat. The next one he won't hit quite as well 8.4 percent barrel rate most of these things are fine but right now he looks pretty much like an average hitter overall now I do think it took him a little while to hit his first home run I want to find exactly what the the stretch was but basically he got off to a bad start and he's been pretty awesome ever since no false fake news because he really hasn't been for fantasy. I mean, if you look at his fantasy points by week, that's just... I really don't think that's the case for Vlad. What What is your second-half outlook for, for Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Okay, yeah, he hasn't been awesome. He's been good. Like, he didn't hit a home run in his first 13 games in 48 games since he has an 801 OPS. So he's been better, yeah. at least. Um, but but no sure, steals. he hasn't been great. Zero steals on the season, so an 801 OPS with zero oh. steals, not great. But no, yeah, yeah, he's been, he hasn't been great. He's been okay. His last two weeks have been two of his three highest scoring weeks, but you know, still not not something that you're excited about. But there's a little progress there, I suppose. Um, yeah. Wh- so, what is your second half outlook for Vlad? I definitely think he'll be better than he has been so far, but this is. Like, I, I wouldn't expect a superstar turn in the second half. It's absolutely possible. But, you know, if, if he ends up with something like a mid-800s OPS, I think that's probably a win in the second half and could make him a buy-low candidate if the person who has him on their roster is a little worried about him. But I, I still think if you were willing to draft Vladimir Guerrero that high, you know what the upside is. And so... You know, maybe he doesn't hit 20 homers in the second half, but he's probably going to hit closer to 300 than he has. 
I just, I think you have to buy into the elite abilities here. All right, let's do one more email here before we get to our all-stars. It's from Andrew. He says, some fun debate. Why are we so quick to think that Cody Bellinger, the one we are seeing right now, is what we should expect moving forward for Bellinger? This seems like it will be his career year. To me, it seems Bellinger may just be on an extended hot streak. He has never come anywhere near a 15% strikeout rate in his major or minor league career. We have to assume that that will not be the norm. And to that point, Bellinger's strikeout rate has steadily increased throughout the year. 11.4% in March and April, then 14.7% in May, 18.2% in June, 21.4% so far in July. If his strikeout rate jumps back to the 21 to 23% range, Bellinger could still be elite, but the batting average will normalize. His counting stats are also outrageous, and he can't be, on, can't be counted on to repeat that. I'd much rather have the safety of Betts and Arenado over Cody Bellinger. Don't get me wrong, he's awesome. But number three seems risky to me. I want that first-round pick to have a high level of safety. And then he goes on to talk about Fernando Tatis, but let's just stick with Bellinger. I mean, it's... Yeah, he's probably not going to be this good moving forward, but he doesn't have to be this good moving forward to be one of the best players in fantasy. He has an 1124 OPS right now. If he has a 1,000 OPS the rest of the way, if he has an eight, a 980 OPS the rest of the way, you're still going to get a lot of power. You're still going to get a surprising amount of speed for a first baseman. You're probably going to end up, you know, I, I think moving forward, we've got, what, 70 games left or so? Yeah. Maybe 75. I think you probably still expect close to 20 homers in that stretch. I think you probably expect 5 to 10 stolen bases in that stretch. Maybe the strikeout rate comes up, but even, like, it's gone up, but if it's 18% like it was in June... That's going to be awesome. He's still going to be great. He's not going to hit 340, but you shouldn't expect him to hit 340. He has, I think, it's hard to fake the kind of improvements he's made. You're you're talking about someone who's hitting the ball as hard as anyone in baseball. The strikeout rate, even as it's crept up, is still 15%. And the walk rate um, is, is still really good. I mean, that's the thing. As the strikeouts have crept up, so have the walks. So his plate discipline has still been like one-to-one, -one, basically, most of the year. And, and yeah, like and like Mike, Mike Trout's been one of the best the, the best hitter in baseball with a pretty high strikeout rate in the past. I mean, it's lower this year, I think. But you know, as long as he's walking as well, I'm not really as bothered. Yeah, yeah. The batting look, the batting average has come down. Right, he's at like 330 ish now, 333, 336. Yeah. You know, he was batting uh, on uh, May first. He was batting 425. On June first, he was yeah, batting 370. Of course, of course, it was come, come, yeah, yeah. But. Uh, he he's pretty awesome. I just the thing that stands out to me with Bellinger is that in his minor league career and now his major league career, he's gone back and forth hitting very poorly against lefties and hitting amazingly against lefties. This year, his basically his lefty righty splits are exactly the same. So lefties lefties in general scare me a little bit. Uh, I don't think it's a huge coincidence that would you say the three most consistent hitters in baseball over the last. I don't know, four years are, are Trout, Betts, and Arenado? Oh, I don't think I would call Mookie Betts consistent at all. Um, he's it's been, two he's MVP been amazing season, two MVP and then good and then amazing and then good. Okay, but when you look at the grand scheme of things, like, fine, who, who have the three best hitters in baseball been over the last four years? I think they're all righties. I mean... I think it's those three guys. 
I, I would say JD Martinez is probably in there. But Alrighty. That doesn't really change the point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're 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 a little safer to me. They really are because uh, they're just you just get these random years with lefties sometimes where they just struggle against lefties. Um, so that was last year for Bellinger. So I'm not really worried about it for Yelich though. Plus over the last four years are Mike Trout, JD Martinez, Aaron Judge, Freddie Freeman. Oh, okay. So Freeman's a lefty, right? Yeah, and three of the top <laughs> yeah. seven are lefties. Uh, yeah, they, they lefties. Left-handed hitters generally have more platoon issues than right-handed hitters. It's just kind of the the nature of things. They don't face as many lefties overall, so they don't get quite as many reps to develop. Uh, there are, I think, there are reasons to believe that just the way a lot of left-handed pitchers throw compared to right-handed hit pitchers uh, makes it tougher on the the soft side of the platoon. So, yeah, maybe. Mookie Betts will be better than Cody Bellinger rest of the way. Mookie Betts is really, really good. Um, but it's not like Mookie Betts is a sure thing to be a top five hitter based on his track record either. All right, so Scott gave his first round last week. Let's let's get your top five for next year. Just off the top of the dome? Yeah. I think you've got to go Trout Yelich one two, um, mm-hmm. and that's when it gets interesting. I think right now I would go Bellinger, Betts, Arenado, but the the next couple of months could change that. But right now, yeah, I I think what Bellinger is doing right now is a more viable fantasy skill set than certainly what Arenado does because Arenado is incredible, but he's also always going to be basically a zero in stolen bases. And then Mookie Betts has been so up and down. He's so inconsistent with the power, especially that, you know, Bellinger, I buy the power. He's got 70 grade raw power and he's playing it up in games and has been in two of his three years now. And the plate discipline, you know, he's swinging pitches out of the zone less. He's making a lot more contact um, overall when he swings. So, I just the skill set that he's putting together is really, really hard to argue against. And Betts only has two more steals than Bellinger, so yeah, know, Bellinger runs. Bellinger, Betts, you know, the steals pace is a little concerning for Betts and for Trout. Concerning only in the sense that it makes it easier to take Yelich over them. I do think there's a case for Yelich over Trout. I really do. We'll see how that plays out because Yelich might double him up in steals, and I, I don't think you can just ignore that. But, all right, uh, we'll move on. Let's talk about our first half All-Stars. The, we're not going to do this like Heath. Heath would just say, oh, Christian Yelich, Cody Bellinger, Mike <laughs> Trout. Those are my, those are my outfielders. Um, no, we're I gonna... mean, that's two-thirds of my outfield, so. Yeah, I get it, I guess. I mean, it's a little weak, I think, on Yelich. But Bellinger certainly deserves to be an outfielder, or an outfielder on your All-Star team. Um, we'll talk about that right after this quick break on Fantasy Baseball today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Chris, I think I forgot to tell you about the surprise segment today. Okay. We have baseball quote movie trivia. Baseball movie quote trivia. We're working, okay. working title. 
I'm going to give you a quote, and you're going to tell me which baseball movie it's from. All right. That means let's get through these all-star teams so we can do the important stuff. Now, let's talk about these guys and tell me, are they buy buy high, sell high? Like, what what do they do in second half? All right, who's your catcher? And everybody out there, you can decide who was the better fantasy all-star. Who's your catcher, Chris? Uh, Christian Vasquez, catcher for the Boston Red Sox. Did you know he's the number five catcher in I Roto League right now? Yeah, I talked about him yesterday, actually. Yeah. That is wild, and I don't think there's anything legitimate about it at all. <laughs> but nobody's been of better value at the position. He was the number 31 catcher drafted uh, before the season in, in ADP on Fantasy Pros. Basically means he wasn't drafted even in two catcher leagues, and for good reason. He's not a very good hitter. There have been some improvements that he's made when you look at the StatCast data that suggest that he's a better hitter than he has been in the past, but that's mostly because the hitter he's been in the past was abysmal. All right, so Christian Vasquez, and if you're watching our video, please watch it, by the way, on YouTube. Uh, Just search for CBS Sports on YouTube, and you'll see all of our Fantasy Baseball Today videos. Uh, Yeah, Christian Vasquez is behind the dish for Chris. For me, it's Wilson Contreras who had a great bounce-back season. That junior slump is real, people, and that's what happened to Wilson Contreras. But no, he just—he had this really low home run to fly ball rate last year, 9.3%. It was bizarre. It's, uh, it's up to 29% right now, which is high, but 23.5% is, uh, 23.5% in 2016, 25.9% in 2017. I don't see much in Wilson Contreras to make me think that he's, you know, a sell high. I think he might perform a little bit worse than this in the second half but basically he's the number two catcher in fantasy um he might be third in in points behind Grandal Sanchez number one uh but yeah Contreras has been great and if you took him 122nd overall fourth catcher off the board you're very happy the reason why my all-star is better than Chris's is Christian Vasquez like a lot of his production was probably on the waiver wire you know people have been starting Wilson Contreras from day one it took probably a while for people to buy into Christian Vasquez and he's still only like 80% owned I think so mine's better so so mine's better my choice of Christian Yelich as an outfield all-star is weak because he was the fourth all outfielder taken and has been the number one player in fantasy Wilson Contreras has been an amazing value jumping from the fourth catcher off. He was the 122nd overall. Christian Yelich was like eighth overall. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. First base. Uh, I'll go first with this one. Carlos Santana. And I just want to say, like, when I did this list, I, I did not find really any... I didn't find that many people who seem like they're doing something unsustainable. Because Santana, fifth in points, seventh in roto... It, He's changed his hitting profile. He's hitting the ball harder than ever, but his ground ball rate is up, which is good for him because it means his batting average is up. Now, maybe the power comes down a little bit, 19 home runs, but in the year of the home run, I'm not so sure that's going to happen. So Carlos Santana's been a steal, 178th overall, 24th first baseman off the board. He's 5th in points. He's 7th in roto, and he's batting 297 with 19 home runs. Quick thought on Santana, and your, your guy is Josh Bell. Uh, which makes sense. Yeah, that, that, that's really would have been my guy, but yeah, I chose someone different. Yeah, I think both of these. Josh Bell was like the number thirty-three catcher drafted or something this season. First so baseman, yeah, pretty obvious choice as the best value at the position. But 
both these guys, I think we're going to see them fall off a bit in the second half. I think that's just natural. I don't think either is going to hit 300. You know, Josh Bell's on close to a 50 homer pace, Santana close to a 40 homer pace. I think we'll see both of them fall down. But we're also talking about two of the guys who are hitting the ball uh, harder than anyone in baseball, basically. Carlos Santana is in the 97th, 95th percentile in average exit velocity, 92.3 miles per hour. And Josh Bell, I think, is second in baseball overall in average exit velocity. They're both absolutely crushing the ball. Let's look at our second baseman. You have DJ LeMahieu. What an interesting year. MVP candidate, DJ LeMahieu. Stop. <laughs> hey. Stop. There's he, one MVP candidate. He shouldn't win the MVP, but he should, at this point, there's, he there's should get votes. There's one MVP candidate in the American League. But you can't just vote for one spot. You got to vote for multiple you spots. You should. Yeah, but LeMahieu's been great. Um, and uh, surprisingly, because, boy, he was pretty bad away from Coors Field last season and my guy is Mike Moustakas I think he's an MVP I think he's an all-star Mike Moustakas because we were worried about him playing every day you know we were worried about him having to be part of a platoon and whatnot Travis Shaw being so bad has has maybe made it easier for him to stay in the lineup and Moustakas is the number five second baseman and points number seven in Roto uh what do you think about DJ LeMahieu do you do you think he'll deliver in the second half I think he's certainly playing over his head so far, but you know, there were, I was definitely skeptical, skeptical of LeMahieu coming into the season, getting away from cores, even at Yankee stadium. Um, but there were some people who looked at DJ LeMahieu's hitting profile. The fact that he hits the ball all over the field, it's a ton of line drives, especially the opposite way. Uh, and said, you know, he could still hit for a very good average. And, those people look really smart. He's going to be more like a high 700s, low 800s OPS bat moving forward. And the fact that he's only uh, stolen four bases is a bit concerning because when he was, you know, not hitting for power early on, he was at least stealing, you know, 15 to 20 bases for a couple of seasons. I think he's going to fall off the earth uh, to an extent, but second base is so bad that you're probably still going to be starting him for that. Uh, is season. second base so bad? We've had like this relative to other positions, young second baseman. Uh, yeah, the the thing that kind of concerns me for for Lemayhu is that he is batting four sixty two with runners in scoring position. So oh, yeah, sixty three RBIs for a leadoff hitter. That's pretty incredible, and I think that goes down. But yeah. leading off for the Yankees is one of the best lineup spots. I mean, one of the, one of the best situations in baseball. So, um, yeah, it'll probably be pretty good, but I, I, I think I'd entertain selling. Oh, sure. Yeah. Cause I think he's probably going to hit more like 295, 300. And you're probably looking at a scenario ultimately where he'll still be pretty good in head to head points. Roto, you're probably only looking at like a two, maybe three category guy. Um, still useful, but, more of a low-end option at second base uh, or a decent middle infield option. So not someone that I think is untouchable by any means. Yeah, I think a, uh, an interesting comparison would be LeMahieu versus Glaber Torres. Oh, I'd definitely rather have Glaber. You know, I was looking at where Glaber Torres ranks among second basemen. This this has really stood out to me, uh, at least in points leagues. I'll try to get 
uh, Roto. So he is one, two. So Lemayhu's third. Torres is ninth. And Torres, like just comparing him to Ozzy Albies, Albies has twenty-two more fantasy points than Torres, which is not, which is significant, I'd say. Uh, Torres has a slightly higher batting average, ten more OBP points, and a much higher slugging percentage than Ozzy Albies. He has hit five more home runs. I don't know what it is. I don't remember H- Torres. His plate discipline isn't no, great. No, it's not that. It's three hundred and one at bats. It's way, mm-hmm. it's much lower than every other yeah. top 10 second baseman except for Yoan Moncada, who's right behind him. And I think he just gets rested sometimes. I don't, uh, Max Muncy only has 305 at bat, sorry. So, but it's much lower than most. I don't understand it. It might be because he bats sort of low in the order, but he's also batted clean up a good deal this year. Um, so it's something to keep in mind. It, it hurt Torres's value last year. The plate appearances just yeah. weren't there. And, on a per at bat basis, I mean his his slash line's terrific, but the fantasy points are just not what you'd expect from him. It's weird. Yeah, that is that's interesting, and it's not something that I had necessarily noticed. So I didn't notice. That's this a good morning. call. I think probably he might be a better roto than points guy. Yeah, he might be. All right, moving on to third base on our all star teams. I have Eduardo Escobar, and Chris has Rafael Devers, who. Well, yeah, I, Rafael Devers just seems like a, an obvious choice here. He's the number one third base, and he was drafted as the 20th. Escobar's been great, but Devers has just been unbelievably good this season. I was, I wouldn't say I was ready to write him off, but coming into the season, he didn't look like he had any kind of above-average skill that he had shown in the majors. And, you know, now we're seeing he's among the league leaders in average exit velocity. Uh, all the stack cast metrics pretty much back up what he's doing. Always been, uh, you know, someone who struck out more than his minor league track record. But so far he's looking more like the guy he, we, we kind of hoped he would be. He's, uh, he's taken a huge step forward and there's a lot of reasons to believe that it's legitimate. Yeah, at hitting lefties, which was something he was just terrible at. He's he's got he's batting two ninety two with a four forty eight slug against lefties, Rafael Devers. Then Escobar Escobar, I don't really get it. I don't understand how he's fourth in points, sixth in Roto at third base. He like eighteen home runs, but I I don't know, man. The RBI I, number's good. Uh, yeah, sixty seven. Yeah, fifty Yeah. This guy to me just feels like a very average fantasy asset. Yes. Right? Like Yeah, and if you look special. at the expected stats, he basically like almost identical to what he was last year, you know, 249 expected average last year to 250. Uh this year slugging percentage right there as well and you know, he was pretty much a fantasy afterthought last season. Well, you so. know, it was surprising, though, because Eduardo Escobar was an afterthought, but at the end of the year, he finished as a top 12 shortstop and the number 13 mm-hmm. third baseman. Uh, he had 48 doubles. I think maybe just some doubles are becoming Yeah, and like 11 runs. triples, I think. Uh, I, didn't, I only see three. I wrote three. I could be wrong. Oh, uh, okay. But, I, I'm probably wrong, Adam. Yeah, I just... He was really good with Minnesota. He got traded to Arizona. It wasn't quite as good. Um, I, but here's the thing. If Escobar does what he did last year, he's not going to be a top 12 shortstop or third baseman. 
because this environment is so different. So I, I think yeah. that's a guy that that I'd be looking to sell. Again, he should be good, but but won't be great. Let's go to shortstop. Wait, where's Cattell Marte, by the way? Shortstop. Oh, he's at shortstop for you? Okay. All right, so yeah. this this is yeah, one of the most interesting players what? in fantasy. Who? Cattell Marte. Yes. Um, he's your guy at short. He is someone who I group with Josh Bell, and I think when you see them side by side, it makes perfect sense. Uh, they look like the same guy. <laughs> uh, Cattell Marte, no, he was someone who had actually shown surprising flashes of power. He hit the ball pretty hard early on. Now, it wasn't consistent, but over the last couple of years, you started to see his average exit velocity creep up more towards the average range. And he was, like Josh Bell, someone who reworked his swing in the 2018 offseason, before the 2018 season, and we didn't really see the fruits of that. We saw it a little bit. You know, he did, I think he led the majors in in, in triples and Unlike Eduardo Escobar, I'm actually looking at his page, and he did have 12 triples last season. Okay, there you go. Um, They're the same guy. Had a career-high in doubles, career-high in home runs. So there was a little bit of a breakout last season, but it wasn't quite... I mean, it wasn't anything close to this, but now you're seeing that average launch angle has increased. The average exit velocity has increased again. He's just starting to get a little bit better, and with his plate discipline, the fact that he never strikes out... You know, he he does look like someone who should be a pretty good fantasy option moving forward. So you're buying it's not you're, quite this good. You're buying Gatel Marte overall. Why why has yeah, his batting I mean, average jumped so much? He's hitting the ball harder. You know, he he's he doesn't strike out. He's got a fourteen percent strikeout rate and was right around there the last couple of seasons, but now, you know, he's he's getting the ball over the fence. He's hitting more line drives. So I think it's just kind of incremental improvements in all the batting average uh, stat factors that has pushed him up and maybe a little bit of good luck on his side as well. And my shortstop was Jorge Polanco, number seven in points, number 13 in Roto. He was drafted 233rd overall. Polanco was the 27th shortstop off the board. He's batting 312. I This guy, he's already starting to come way down to earth. Since June 1st, Jorge Polanco has a 7.10 OPS with two steals. Uh, but he, you know, his hard contact rate, his fly ball rate have gone way up and yet still only has a 9% home run to fly ball rate. So that's kind of strange. Uh, Polanco is a switch hitter, but he he struggles against lefties. So that's probably going to hold him back. Another guy that... But I, it's I just, hard to argue against him. You know, I, as an I Austin, think yeah. the slide we're seeing... You know, there's a little bit of regression. There's a little bit of coming back to earth. And I I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a stretch like that from Cattell Marte moving forward. But overall, I think he's improved just like Cattell Marte has enough where you can say he's certainly going to be better than he was in years past and is going to be a useful fantasy option, a good fantasy option. Okay. Let's go to the outfield here. So I have two twins and Shinsu Chu. Shinsu Chu... Max Kepler, and I put Eddie Rosario on there. He's on the IL right now, but he's uh, 11th in Roto, 18th in points, was the 23rd outfielder off the board. Just having a really good year. He's a little inconsistent, but he's kind of backing up what he did last year, Rosario. Kepler, uh, last 15 games, is only batting 209. So that's... Uh, he was 239th overall off the board, and, and Shinsu Chu was 260th off the board. 
Chu, uh, I I think I'd I'd be looking to sell. I just don't buy that. Like he's he's old, and his he's walking less. His BABIP is three sixty one. It's usually good, but it's not this good. Uh, so I, I think Chu, you know, will probably be something like a top thirty outfielder in points leagues, top forty in roto. I don't know what you can get for him, but so far he's been 17th in points, 26th in Roto. My question for you is about Kepler. What do you expect from Kepler in the second half? He was an interesting guy coming into the season because last year he actually did make pretty sizable improvements in his plate discipline against lefties, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he was pretty good, you know, 21.6% strikeout rate, 9% walk rate, but the results didn't quite take a huge step forward. He had a 745 OPS against them. But what was more interesting is against righties, he looked a lot better. 12.6% walk rate, 13.5% strikeout rate, and he had a 720 OPS against righties. That was mostly because of a 219 Babbitt, but he also didn't hit for a lot of power. But there were reasons to believe that Max Kepler had improved last season, was one of the fly ball guys who started hitting the ball in the air more, but what he had last season was a lot more infield fly balls as well. This season, it looks like he's just kind of put things together a little more. So he's hitting lefties okay again, but he's really hitting righties well. And I, I kind of buy it. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Going to be a low BABIP guy, I think, because uh, he still does hit a lot of infield fly balls, pop-ups. Pop-ups, um, yeah. But I think the power is... You know, it's not 40 homer power, but I think, you know, he'll be a solid source of power and uh, he gets on base. He'll score a lot of runs. So I, I, I think he's a pretty solid guy overall. Who are your outfielders? You're a really uh, like some, daring some outfielders. boring Christian yeah. Yelich, Cody Bellinger. You've probably heard of them. And then Domingo Santana is actually surprisingly a top 10 outfielder in Roto so far this season. Um, I don't know how much of the gains are real, but he has actually sustained this all season. And my, my impression of him was that he had slowed down, but it was really just the month of May. Uh, he was awesome in June. He was awesome in April. And uh, he's gotten his ground ball rate down a little bit, which is helping the power play up a little more. And uh, he's, he's pretty good. He's always going to be a, an incredibly high BABIP and, and home run to fly ball ratio guy. So there are definitely reasons to believe in Domingo Santana's breakout. In Roto, yeah. In points, yeah. He's like 20th and early, you know, before a recent hot streak, Domingo Santana was closer to 30. So I think he's, you know, worth owning, but he's going to drive you a little crazy in points leagues because this plate discipline's not very good. Starting pitchers. Who are your starting pitchers? I think we only pick three each. Who are your, what's your rotation? Hyunjin Ryu. I think is an obvious choice as the number three pitcher in Roto, probably a little lower in points, but still very good. Um, and it's one where the injuries were the only concern with him move, it, coming into the season. And maybe we probably should have not been that concerned. And I drafted him a decent amount just because look, every pitcher gets hurt and, He's got bigger injury concerns than most, but if he stayed healthy, he was going to be very good, and that's what we're seeing. And then Lucas Giolito and Matthew Boyd, two of the biggest breakouts uh, of the season. Surprisingly, Lucas Giolito actually still uh, top 10 starting pitcher, ranks higher than Matthew Boyd. 
uh, yeah. even though he's slowed down just a bit. Well, they both have. I mean, Boyd, his last like yeah. six or seven starts, has an ERA over six. He's given up a ton of home runs, 12 home runs in that stretch. But I mentioned it, I think I said all of this yesterday, and I said it the day before on HQ. You know, the walk-to-strikeout ratio, even in this bad stretch for Boyd, has been extraordinary. But Giolito... Like, look at his look at his schedule. His last five starts have been the Yankees, Cubs, Red Sox, Twins, and Cubs. So it's not a huge surprise that he struggled. But yeah. in those starts, the walks have been way up, except for one start against yep. the Twins where he didn't walk anybody. But other than that, four, three, four, and five walks. So when you look at Giolito and Boyd going forward, are you are you nervous about the walks for Giolito, the home runs for Boyd, and what that could mean? Yeah, I'm a little bit nervous, but I think both have made enough gains that, you know, even if they do fall back, I would still expect an ERA in the four range rather than the six range for Giolito where he'd been before this and, you know, a ton of strikeouts for both. And and Giolito has said that he's not worried about the control issues because he he's identified a mechanical issue that he thinks he could should be able to fix. All right, so, that's good. Hopefully, you know, because the stuff has looked better than it ever has. And it's, you know, that hasn't come down to earth yet. So I think I've said come down to earth a lot this morning. Yeah, you you also said something like um, falling off the earth, but not. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah. I'm I'm running a little slow. It's Earth Day. I only got a couple of sips of my Diet Coke before I got into the podcast. When are you going to get off the the salt? When I die, Adam, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay cool uh are you done talking now about the earth or or what yeah okay yeah. all right then my my no pitchers my pitchers are charlie morton shane bieber who's only allowed one home run in his last five starts and was the 39th pitcher off the board morton was the 29th pitcher off the board and lance lynn was the 161st starting pitcher off the board. <laughs> He's 10th in points, 20th in Roto. He has the highest whip of any top 18 starting pitcher in points leagues. He His ERA is 391. It's not that great, but he got off to a terrible start, and for like two months now, Lance Lynn has been just dynamite. And he's 11-4, and he pitches super deep into games, and he throws nothing but fastballs, basically. Um, so yeah, nobody is really super buying into Lance Lynn, but at the same time, I don't think you should trade him because I, I don't know that you're going to get much of value. Uh, he might just be good. Lance Lynn might just be good, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm skeptical, but he might be. Yeah. He might, I, I don't know what else to say. Like what, like what else is there to say? You just ride it out and enjoy, enjoy yeah, the Lance Lynn run. If someone wants to treat him like a high-end starting pitcher or, or a very good starting pitcher, go ahead and move him. But I don't know what you're going to get that's going to make it you know, a, a, a really obvious win for you with Lance Lynn because the peripherals are very good too. He has, I think, one of the lowest FIPs in baseball. Uh, my two relievers are Kirby Yates and Brad Hand. Y- Yates was the 11th pitcher off the board. Hand was sixth off the board. And Yates has been number one so far. He has, oh gosh, what does he have, 30 saves or something? Yeah, 30 saves in 31 <laughs> chances. And the Padres are in the race, so I don't think they're going to trade Kirby Yates. And yeah. Brad Hand's just, he's great. Like, he's just, they're both really good pitchers. Uh, I don't have yep. much to say about them. I completely buy them. I suppose the Indians could trade Brad Hand they're trading Trevor Bauer yeah they could I, I think that. he's under contract for one more year so 
Actually, I'm not sure. He might be an expiring, so maybe. Who's your stinking relievers? Uh, I went with Brandon Woodruff, uh, Sparp, who I think has pretty firmly established himself as certainly one of the most talented pitchers in baseball, and I think a top 15 starting pitcher for fantasy moving forward, at the very least top 20. And then Will Smith is just, we outsmarted ourselves on this one. He was uh, the number 21 reliever off the board coming into the season. You know and why, right? Half of, what's that? You don't remember why, right? Because we thought he was going to get traded. Well, he is going to get traded. He's, he's about to be potentially dropped, or maybe he'll just go to a place where he closes. But no, I, I, well, there were some concerns that he wasn't going to be the closer. And, you know, sure. Mark Melanson and, and Dyson, they actually have, they have good pretty, arms. But I think they called him the closer pretty or like pretty close before the season. Yeah, like he's not, damn good. Not a day before the season. But I think it was just this. I think there's a lesson to be learned from Will Smith. Once he was named the closer, especially, he should have been, you know, one of the top, top 12 relievers taken. And even with the concerns about him getting traded, and it seems like it obviously will happen in the next three weeks, half the, the relievers who were taken above him have either gotten hurt or lost their jobs. Closers lose okay, their jobs. But that could have happened but, to Will Smith. I don't agree with your premise. Sure, it could have, but he's very... But, uh, you but, should have, you should draft for talent. Yeah, no, but okay, fine. But there, uh, there are twelve talented closers. You know, like Edwin Diaz and Blake Trinan deserve to go ahead mm-hmm. of Will Smith. Um, sure. You know, like I don't agree with the premise. But that, like, Arodis Vizcaino went ahead of him. Well, okay, that was a mistake. But the I don't agree with the premise that the 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 pitcher, the closer who was most likely to get traded at the start of the season, I would say Will Smith was that guy. That should have been mm-hmm. a top twelve closer off the board because yeah, right. He but how has many closers great. keep their job all year? But you don't know who it's going to be. Like he probably right, should right. have been that's, top. But that's what I'm saying. You should you should target the really good closers and Will Smith. But he's gonna lose is, his job. He's gonna lose his sure. job. But like, so he's, are he's a lot guaranteed. of closers. He's really good. I so are the, okay. So all right, you know what? Let's who went ahead of him? Let me pull up the ADP right here. God, you're so wrong about this, Chris. I'm really not. Who went ahead of him? Uh, Go ahead. Uh, do I have to pull it up? Because I'm almost there. No, no, no. I've got it. So you've got guys like Arodas Viscaino, Jose Alvarado, Cody Allen, David Robertson, Ken Giles, Rice Iglesias, Wade Davis, Jose Leclerc. Pretty much all those guys except Giles have either gotten hurt or lost their jobs. And... You know, I think and you Giles, cannot sit here think, and tell me that Ken Gi- that that Rysel Iglesias should not have gotten ahead of Will Smith. I mean, they were talking about not using him as a traditional closer in and, spring and training, yet, and, and yet, and he's he, not as good. And as, yet, no, as he Will was. Smith. He's been very good. He he's, he's having a bad year. Good. But if he if if Rysel Iglesias pitched as he normally does, you know, pitched to his career norms this year, and didn't get all of the saves. At the end of the year, he'd he'd end up being more valuable than Will Smith because Will Smith is only going to be a closer for four months, unless of course he gets maybe traded to a place. he might he get might, traded to might. a team where he'd be a closer. He That's might, what but I'm you saying know, there's a, we over, uh, we outsmarted ourselves. No, I don't think when so. We, I, I don't think so. We did. I mean, we obviously did, Adam. No, I mean it turned out that uh, way. But I think our, the he's been process, one of the best closers. He's been one of the best relief pitchers in fantasy so far. Absolutely, he's he's been a great draft pick. I am super happy to have him. 
But you're also talking about a guy who we expected to be on one of the worst teams in baseball. That's usually not great for saves. And, you know, b- before last year, he wasn't a great reliever. He was a good one. I and I, I'm ready to play our game. That. Well, he was terrible in 2017. He didn't even pitch. <laughs> I'm ready to play our but like game. His strikeout rates were consistently elite. Yeah, his strikeout we're rates were, but his ERAs were not. So, two thousand. Uh, so yeah, whatever. Okay, team name Tuesday. Luke, I am your Vado. Yep. No. Yeah. However, this one might be the best. Uh, I'll come back to it because uh, I, I mean, because Vado is like the most dad player in baseball right now, right? Oh, I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, that might be, but that Luke I am your Vado makes no sense. Uh how about how about this one? Oh. Heath Cy Young Award. <laughs> that's the first that's the first time I've heard oh, really? the Cy drop because I haven't been around for a couple of weeks and I I had only listened to a couple oh. of the football podcasts. I know it's been a big deal there, mm-hmm. but I don't think you did it on the two that I had listened to. That's it's very discomforting. Oh, it's creepy. Say. And now Dave Richard yeah. inspired me to make a compilation. So now I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna make a greatest hits. But don't tell Heath. Oh boy, that is. Yeah. No, I we I keep seeing the emails of people asking for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As a ringtone, and boy, I, I can't. I just praying for an email that I get. <laughs> like I was walking in the mall the other day, and I passed some guy, and all of a sudden I hear. Uh, and I'm like, you have that ringtone too. I said, let's hope it goes viral. Was uh, he stretching when that happened? No, he was he was ranking pitchers, and that was his intro to ranking the pitchers. Uh, uh, it just it makes the 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 hairs on the back of your neck stand up a little. By the way, Chris, we're not playing our quote game today. We'll have to do that later in the week. We've taken too much time. Wow, Victor wow. Victor Caratini, shaken not stirred. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Cease and Darvish. No. No, no. That's bad. Uh, how about this one, though? Cease Fires. Yeah, that one's good. That's good. Yeah. Okay, and that's it for Team Dave Tuesday. Grade the trade from Rodney. 12-team points league. Give up Syndergaard and Donaldson. Get Rendon and Wheeler. I like it. Love it. Uh, Actually, I love this trade. Syndergaard and Donaldson for Rendon. Like, Rendon is awesome. He's really good. But... In a points league, he is a first-round caliber hitter. Yeah, he's incredible. Um, And Wheeler and Donald... Wheeler and Thor have been... Wheeler's been better than Thor. I would say a B. It's it's an A minus. It's a B plus. Uh, From Dan. Grade the trade. Also, Scott White 2020. I would not vote for Scott. I don't think Scott would be I don't think he's... Is he old enough? Yeah, he's 35. Okay, I thought he was thirty-four. Yeah, he he's not. He, he'd be a terrible uh, Scott. I love you. You'd be a terrible president. Terrible. Be talking <laughs> about swinging strike rate all the time. Standard scoring five by five. Give Bogarts and Flaherty. Get Cattell Marte and Kenley Jansen. Bogarts and Jack Flaherty for Marte and Jansen. I think that's like a D. Yeah, I don't know because I don't know how much faith I have in Jack Flaherty. I I would just rather because obviously he's doing this because he needs saves. I would rather try to play waivers or try to get uh, a less expensive closer because it's Kenley Jansen hasn't really been the elite closer anymore these last two seasons. I mean you're still getting a decent amount of saves, but 
strikeout weight rate way down. The FIP basically shows that he's more like a three to mid three ZRA guy. And so I think you're, you're paying an awfully large price because Xander Bogarts has been unbelievably good. The, the, uh, uh, sil- the silent superstar is Xander yeah. Bogarts. Yeah. All right. Next up from um, Jim moving on dynasty league. 10-team, 7-by-7 Dynasty League where you keep 10. Give up Garrett Cole and Didi Gregorius. Get Rafael Devers and Treat Turner. He spelled it Treat, but he meant Trey Turner. Give up Garrett Cole and Didi Gregorius. Get Devers and Trey Turner. I think that's a B. All right, let's go to You're Ryan giving in up California. The best player, but yeah. Ryan in California. Well, you might not be. Might treat, treat Turner might be the best player if he realizes his <laughs> potential. Uh, Ryan in California says, Great, the trade in an eight team league. It's a points league. Give up Paddock and Austin Riley and get Patrick Corbin. A minus. Love it. I think that's a C. What? All right, listen. It's, a, it's an eight team league, right? It's a points league. Sure. Austin Riley's plate discipline. Look at his points. I didn't realize this until Heath pointed it out yeah, yesterday. His points. That's a decent point. Yeah, they haven't been very good. Um, so so basically, it's yeah, I love it. All right, I'll switch it to a B. Good. Last one. No name on this. Ten team categories. Five keeper league. Give up bets and a fourth round pick in 2020. Bets and a fourth round pick in 2020. Get JD Martinez and Patrick Corbin. I think that's a B. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, it's pretty good. Thanks for the wonderful show, Chris. You're an all-star. Get your game on. Thanks. Mm-hmm. You like wow. Sma- you like Smash Mouth. I have seen Smash Mouth in concert before. I was. Uh, I can't remember. They opened for somebody that I saw in like the early 2000s. Last night I was at dinner with my dad, and he was talking about music, and he said. He knows more about modern music than I do. I said, you're absolutely right. And I said, rock and roll is dead. Rock and roll is dead, Chris. It's not, Adam. It's you just, dead. You're just lazy. It's for wimps. Get an electric There's guitar. A ton of rock and Get roll Get an electric guitar for, good, for goodness sake, Mumford and Sons. All right. They, they did. They, they probably did. It wasn't very good. <laughs> okay, we're out of here. They released an album of, of rock. It wasn't very good. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll be back tomorrow, either tomorrow or Thursday. See you later, everybody.